I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarah. And together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. Today we are celebrating birds? Plus a whale tale from a bird watching trip? So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. is happening have you tuned into to the wrong podcast <laughs> no no uh, but we are going to start with a word about birds a word bird bird is a word <laughs> oh, yeah saw that coming <laughs> may 8th which is not the day we're recording this but we are recording it in the month of may may 8th was world migratory bird day why does this matter to our show well let me tell you <laughs> We are a very well-oiled machine mm-hmm. here at Whale Tales, <laughs> and we have annual strategic planning meetings where we plot out not at all the whole year's worth of content, but we do kind of start like to generally think about, hey, what do we want January, February, March, April, May, maybe even podcast to look like? What do we want our main themes to be for our podcast so that uh, I can start doing some research? And most of the time there's kind of like a natural tie-in you know there's dolphin month and orca awareness month and other things going on and when it got to us discussing as a group what's happening in the month of may that could give us sort of a, a jump start to picking a podcast topic well sarah what what did you say when we came across the fact that it was World Migratory Bird Day? Well, we could do beaked whales because they're migratory and they have beaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I didn't think it was that funny. I thought it was really dumb, but then they ran with it. <laughs> so, yeah, this entire episode is basically brought to you because we think Sarah's hilarious and... Um, and, and that is. it's been a, it's true. And that's been a joke <laughs> for like eight months. Now? Yeah. Something like that. Since like last summer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What is time? Anyway, why, why are they called beaked whales? Um, so they are called beaked whales because they have very prominent rostrums, which is like the snouty nosy bit and zero to maybe a few teeth, but we'll talk more about their teeth later. So appropriate. Yeah. We have whales that have beaks. Mm-hmm. Beaked whales, migratory (laughs) birds, also most likely have beaks. (laughs) But I will tell you this, there are significantly fewer beaked whales than there are migratory birds. I actually have zero idea how many species of migratory birds. I'm going to go with like more than 22. Yeah, exactly. So how many beaked whales are there? Because you are a part of a whale tales podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are done with talking (laughs) about birds. Sorry. Let's get back to the whales. Um, so there are approximately, as most times when we talk about number <laughs> of species, there are approximately 23 species of beaked whale. I say approximately because, as we discussed in another episode, uh, towards the end of 2020, a new species of beaked whale was discovered but hasn't yet been named, and they've only seen it the one time. And honestly, they <laughs> beaked whales are kind of still being discovered very currently. Uh, new species were discovered and described in 1995, 2006, as we said, late 2020. And most scientists agree there are probably more species undiscovered out there. 
We'll talk about why in a minute. But in terms of the 23-ish that have been discovered and described, they are broken down into three subfamilies. I'm not getting into my high horse soapbox about <laughs> nomenclature right now. We'll just dig into it. Um, and various genuses within those subfamilies. So I have taken pity on Lindsay and not <laughs> asked her to go through all of the scientific names of Hooray! the species. I will do it myself today. So bear with me, listener. Of the subfamily Berardianae, there is the genus Berardius, and two species of beaked whale fall under this genus, the Arnous beaked whale and Baird's beaked whale, both named after scientists of some degree. So Arnoux, the scientist, and Baird, the scientist. Arnoux's beaked whale, Baird's beaked whale. There we go. That's the genus Berardius. Next, in the subfamily Hyperodontinae, Hyperodontinae, there we go, Hyperodontinae, which hypertooth, that makes sense mm -hmm. for, for what we're talking about here. There are three genuses with various numbers of beaked whales included. So the genus Hyperodon has both the northern and southern bottlenose whales, which are classified as different species, not even subspecies, just fully distinct species here. Then there is the genus Indopacetius, which consists of just one lone species, Longman's beaked whale. And then the most plentiful of all the beaked whale genuses is the Mesoplodon. There are 15 species of beaked whale in the genus Mesoplodon. There is da -da -da, Sourbee's beaked whale, Andrew's beaked whale, Hubs's beaked whale. Oh man, I hate when there's an apostrophe after an S. I never <laughs> know how to pronounce it. Uh, Hubs's beaked whale, Blainville's beaked whale, Gervais's beaked whale. Let's take a break from scientists for a moment and go with the ginkgo-toothed beaked whale. Yay! Love. Gray's beaked whale, Hector's beaked whale, the strap-toothed whale, True's beaked whale, the pygmy beaked whale, Perrin's beaked whale, Steninger's beaked whale, the spade-toothed whale. I wonder what shape their teeth are. <laughs> and... Oh, this I knew was going to give me trouble. Dereniagala's beaked whale. Yeah. Dereniagala's. Dereniagala's? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Dereniagala. I'm good at the I'm not sure. pronunciations. Dereniagala. Oh, I like it. It sounds yeah. good. Dereniagala's beaked whale. It might not be correct, but it sounds nice. So those are the mesoplodents. Then we switch subfamilies again to Ziphinae, the subfamily Ziphinae. I like to say that. <laughs> and there are two beaked whales in this subfamily, each in their own genus. There is the genus Tasmacetus, which consists of the shepherd's beaked whale, and the genus Xiphius, <laughs> which consists of Cuvier's beaked whale. <sighs> you did it! I did it! I did it, I did it! Now, these beaked whales range in sizes all over the map, with the smallest being the pygmy beaked whale, which comes in at between 3.4 and 3.7 meters, or 11 to 12 and a half feet long. Oh, just a little, little itty bitty beaked whale. Or 
all the way up to the largest beaked whale, which is Baird's beaked whale. And just as a side note here, a Baird's beaked whale newborn calf is bigger than the pygmy beaked whale Ooh. because mm-hmm. a newborn calf is 4.5 meters. So like a whole meter mm-hmm. bigger than a fully grown <laughs> pygmy beaked whale. Um, and adult Baird's beaked whales are between 10.7 and 12.8 meters long or 35 to 42 feet. Crazy. Beaked whales as a whole are definitely the least understood group of cetaceans. There's really maybe two or three species that we know much of anything about, but we do know a few things about the group as a whole. Yeah, so the first thing is that they are amazing divers, like ridiculous. They regularly dive deeper than 500 meters or 1,600 feet to echolocate for food, and these deep dives are often followed by multiple shallower dives less than 500 meters so just super chill for them and that's just their like normal dive yeah (laughs) yeah like yeah regular yeah just a regular everyday kind of thing i'm gonna go dive 1600 feet underwater (laughs) sure why not (laughs) for a snack in march 2014 a study by cascadia research revealed that cuvier's beaked whales were recorded to dive at least 2,992 meters, which is almost 10,000 feet in depth, which is insane. 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 (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. What are you doing down there? Don't know. Um, So, (laughs) beaked whales have several anatomical adaptations for deep diving, large spleens, livers, and body shape. Most cetaceans have small spleens, but beaked whales have much larger spleens than dolphinids. And they may have larger livers as well. These traits are important for filtering blood, which could be an adaptation for deep diving because oxygen in the blood is important. Um, Another notable adaptation among them is a slight depression in the body wall that allows them to hold their pectoral flippers tightly against their body for increased streamlining. Oh, never thought about that. That's cool. Um, But they're not invulnerable to the effects of diving super deep. As well as diving deep uh, often. Cascadia also shows that the deeper the whales dive, the less often they dive per day, cutting their efforts by at least 40%, which makes sense. Yeah, totally. If I dove 10,000 feet down, I would take the rest of the day off. (laughs) Another thing that we know, really the second thing that we know, which ties in very nicely with the fact that they can dive deep, is that they stay down for a long time. Now, obviously, this makes sense just based on the length of time it would actually take to physically dive so deep. But think about this. Their deepest dives routinely last for over an hour, which these are mammals. They have to breathe air. We have to remember that. So just normally, again, just like how normally they dive 500 meters down, just normally they're diving for over an hour. And another study published just last year in 2020 in the Journal of Experimental Biology reported, again, Cuvier's beaked whale making a dive that lasted 222 minutes. What in the what? That's like three and a half hours. That's like a Lord of the Rings movie. It is. (laughs) Extended edition. (laughs) Do Do you think that's what they were doing? Maybe. No, actually, we we do kind of, we know at least one of the things that they're doing when they're on these deep dives. Uh, they are hunting. Uh, primarily, they hunt deep water squid, but they'll also go after benthic and benthopelagic fish and crustaceans, mostly down at the seafloor. 
the way that they catch their food is also interesting. So beaked whales, like we said, have no teeth apart from one or two pairs in their lower jaw that usually only erupt in adult males. So instead of capturing prey with their teeth, they suck it into their mouth, which, I mean, with a squid makes sense. Um, then they the suction, they get extra suction because they have grooves in their throat, which stretch and expand to accommodate their food. Their tongues move very freely, so then they can suddenly retract their tongue, distend the the throat floor, the guler thro- um, floor, and then the pressure drops in their mouth, and that sucks the prey in with some water. Very cool. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of similar to baleen whales in terms of like the pressure differential. Obviously, they aren't filtering; they're just swallowing it mm-hmm. whole. But um, and they have to like get it in their mouth in the first place. But the way that they expand the volume to decrease the pressure inside their mouth is similar to baleen mm. whales. Yeah, they just don't have a way. I mean, their mouths are a lot smaller. So yes, that's, yeah. that's part of it. Their mouths are a lot smaller than baleen whales, but they don't have a way of sort of filtering out the salt water. Yeah, I guess they so, just swallow it. Yeah, or maybe because like the food is bigger, so there's less salt water that they're swallowing. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, they are going after really big. Yeah, squid. like big deep water squid. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess they also have to have really strong stomachs, though, because if they are getting crustaceans and things, mm. that's, they can't do mm-hmm. much about that. Yeah, and like if you're also swallowing a giant squid, or maybe not a giant squid, but a large mm-hmm. squid whole, like, they don't die right away. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is it's my whole thing when people want to eat live octopuses. It's like, <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Um, the fourth thing that we know about sort of like all beaked whales generically is that adult males of most species are frequently covered in scars. As Sarah mentioned, it's really only the males that have teeth at all. So the females, their teeth usually don't rupture past the gum line. And the males are thought to have extensive competition for reproductive rights in terms mm. of who gets to mate yeah, with so which female. Mating competition. Yeah, so depending on what species we're looking at, you can find beak whales in all over the world's oceans. Uh, some of them do migrate, but as you might expect, we don't actually know much about their migration patterns. And some other species might not migrate at all. So, although it's not surprising, all of the species prefer deep water for all the reasons that we just discussed. The deeper, the better. Um, <laughs> they're known to congregate in deep waters at least 300 meters or 1,000 feet off the edge of continental shelves and bottom features such as seamounts, canyons, escarpments, and oceanic islands. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a beach whale has gone to the bottom of the Marianas Trench? Yes, found the Megalodon and they fought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Statham was there. He recorded the entire thing. Well, I mean, if anyone's going to be there, it should be Jason. That's the plot of the Megalodon 3. And I have to interview him mm. for it. Mm-hmm. For... Yeah. It's Podcast very, reasons. very important <laughs> very that important. I be there to um, observe the wetsuit fitting. Yep. <laughs> for yep. all future Meg movies. For science. For science. Yep. Very important science. <gasps> yeah. Um, some other notes about them. Um, yeah, so some other notes about them. They do seem to travel in pretty small groups. They're not very like communally uh, minded from what has little is known about them and they're basically not acrobatic at all uh, they instead put that energy towards diving they don't bother jumping out of the water the best studied species are cuviers bards and the blaine valve beaked whales so you can expect we will come back to these ones in future episodes and we can talk about much more about what they discovered maybe how they did that crazy research mm-hmm. with the cuviers 
uh, all that kind of exciting whale facts. Yeah, this is your appetizer sampler, amuse-bouche about beaked whales. But before we leave them, there was one other completely unscientific thing that I wanted to mention, and that is that in researching for this episode, I came across an article by The Cut that was published in 2019 that ranked 38 species of whale, including beaked whales, on completely arbitrary factors. <laughs> Just tried to figure out, like, what's the best whale? And most of the bottom half of the list is made up of beaked whales. And hmm. I expect, as this is because we know so little about them, but A, this made me feel really bad for the beaked whales, and B, also made me laugh really hard, because it's a very funny article, and the reasons they come up with for why they rank all of the whales in the spaces they do is very funny. So if you'd like to read it, you can check it out in our show notes, we'll put the link in there, and we will not spoil what the cut says is the number one whale for you. But we bet you could guess. <laughs> it's time for fun liver fact. Fun liver fact. Fun liver fact. Yay, 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 yay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want our listeners to know I never know what the song is going to be. <laughs> It starts to come out of my mouth. Just realized and... how long it's been since we recorded since we recorded our episode with Ted really early in April, and it's like, wow, it's been a long time yeah. since I've heard yeah. that noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe one day I'll put more more thought into actually like just coming up with a, a like that one. Team. Yeah, yeah. And like it's definitely it. your priority for twenty twenty one. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> uh, today's. Fun Slipper Fact is about beaked whales. Shocker. And it's also a short and sweet one because it's about the Blainville's beaked whale, which their scientific name is Mesoplodon densirostris. Densirostris. Yeah. And it is sometimes also given the common name as the dense beaked whale, not because of anything to do with its intelligence. <laughs> Because we don't know anything about his intelligence. Um, but because of this fun slipper fact. So the French zoologist Henri de Blainville was the first to describe the species in 1817. So this one we've known about for a long time. But Henri was describing the species from a nine inch piece of its rostrum. That is the only part of its body that he had. Can you just take a moment? <laughs> That's very like <laughs> audacious. Yeah, especially because he named it after himself. He's like, I'm going to take this nine inch piece of bone and be like, this is a whale. And I'm naming it after me. Like, you know who else does that? My son. Yeah. finds like a piece of a shell on the beach. And he's like, this James's shell. This James's crab. Like, yeah, cool. I mean, you're basically doing the same thing that 1800 zoologists were doing. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I can't, I really just can't I don't imagine. Know. 1800s must have been a crazy time. It's true. I think you're absolutely right. Audacity is the right word. Like the audacity to try and describe an entire species from just a part of its basically jaw. How did he even know it was a whale? I don't know. He must have gotten it like from a whaling, like something or. It had to have been, yeah. because, you know, lots of other animals have bones that live in the ocean. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Wait, I am! 
<laughs> Thank you for that science fact, Lindsay. Lots of animals in You're the welcome. ocean have bones. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to peace out now. That's the fun flipper fact. Fun flipper fact, did you know animals in the ocean, many of them have bones. <laughs> many. many. Not all. Not many. all. But many. Important distinction. Anyways, yes. <laughs> this nine inch piece of rostrum, and trust me, I looked, listener, I looked really, really hard to try and find out uh, how much it weighed, but I could not find it. Couldn't find record of how much it weighed, but apparently... Because he couldn't be bothered to record that. No. Nope. He was very busy. Anyway, he described this nine inch piece of bone as the heaviest bone he had ever come across. That's okay. Cool. It's like, I have so many questions. (laughs) This is why I made it the fun flipper fact, because I just thought it was hilarious and I couldn't find any answers. I spent days, I spent days (laughs) trying to track this down. Is it the heaviest bone he came across? Because, you know, it is a really, really, really densely um, sort of like mattered bone mm. or is mm-hmm. it because you know again in the audacity of this you all just, he just he just hadn't held many bones yeah he just Maybe. assumed that it was <laughs> he said it was the heaviest bone he'd ever come across and that is what gave him i mean first he described the whole species after him and he said it's plainville's beaked whale when he gave it its scientific name densi rostris that is latin for dense densi and beak rostris so, densy rostrus, dense beak, beaked whale, funny, funny, funny French zoologist. <laughs> Thank you very, very much to our patrons, as always, for being incredible supporters, not just of the podcast, but of everything that we do at Whale Tales. What is Patreon, you ask? So, Patreon is a website where you can support creators like us for as little as a dollar a month. In exchange for your financial support, you get access to some awesome perks. Yeah, so we have a couple of different tiers. We have a $1 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month tiers, and you get all sorts of different perks at those levels, like a weekly newsletter, discounts on all of our merch, including Wellington the Whale, um, a watercolor postcard or a watercolor humpback painted by our very own Nicole. You get access to extra uh, parts of episodes, like the one we just had with Ted Cheeseman from Happy Whale, and all sorts of fancy things. And becoming a patron is so valuable to us because we do this off the side of, off the side of, off the side of, off the side of our desks um, or our couches, wherever <laughs> we may happen to be. We we love whales. I think that's probably pretty clear. And we also love hanging out with each other. But we we don't have any sort of serious income to devote to this and websites cost money to host and podcasts cost money to host and so your support on patreon is just so we're so grateful for it because it allows us to do what we love and hopefully you love it too so if you can't become a patron we also totally understand but you can still support us and help other people find us by leaving us a rating and a review on apple podcasts or whatever your podcast platform is and no matter how you choose to support the podcast and what we do at Whale Tales, you always have our eternal gratitude. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to our storytellers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely to all of our storytellers, both on the podcast and on the website. Um, today we have a story from Patrick, who did t- submit a voice memo story about dolphins in last year's Dolphin Awareness Month. And when we were searching our brains... 
for Beaked Well stories. We're very excited that Patrick has one. So we didn't have to tell our Beaked Well story again. And you didn't have to listen to about how Sarah and I get sick <laughs> again. <laughs> um, we actually, the day we recorded, I actually got a story about a Blainesville Beaked Well, which is super exciting. But it's not on the website yet. It'll be up <laughs> soon. Keep checking. We've got a Beaked Well category and this will be our third, fourth Beaked Well species. Nice. On our, in our library, which is awesome. Anyway, here's Patrick with an amazing story that he had from 2019, and it sounds amazing. <laughs> so in August of 2019, I went with the local birding society, the Buffalo Ornithological Society, on a trip to bird Cape May, New Jersey, and one of the options was to do a birding pelagic trip um, a few days before most of the land birding and as someone that loves birds and cetaceans this was the ultimate combination experience because on a whale watching trip you know you don't really get to stop for birds but bird lovers tend to like to see whales and dolphins as well so the thing with doing pelagic trips in certain parts of the East Coast to get to the deep water where you can find some really neat birds, uh, it takes a lot longer. So this kind of pelagic trip, you actually leave late at night, you sleep on the boat, essentially, and then you wake up in the morning in the deeper water. Now, I knew that beaked whales are often found in deeper water, so when the captain was explaining the birds that we would see, but also the cetaceans, he did mention that he got, uh, they occasionally get beaked whales on the trip. So I was really, really excited because while I do love birds, cetaceans are my first love. So we got on the boat, slept throughout the night, woke up at around, I want to say around five o'clock just before the sun started to rise. We were seeing some life already, a couple of kinds of squids, some flying fish, and the first birds we saw around dawn were these Wilson storm petrels, a couple of leeches, and banrump storm petrels as well. It was really cool to see them kind of flitting around at the water surface at sunrise, and then the call went out for beaked whales, and I totally diverted my attention from the storm petrels. Uh, storm petrels are really cool, but I absolutely wanted to see a beaked whale. And there was a pod, small pod of maybe four to five individuals off to off to the distance very far away and the sun had barely come up, so you know, you definitely wasn't you definitely weren't going to get uh, good photographs. They surfaced maybe three to four times and um, we hadn't seen them after. And usually with that, you know, given that they're such deep divers, they could be um, underwater for so long. And, you know, when they next surface, they might not be anywhere near the boat. So, you know, I was somewhat satisfied since I got to see a kind of beaked whale. Um, but, you know, I would have loved to see better looks. Uh, we went back to looking at the storm petrels. And about maybe 25 minutes later, as we were watching the storm petrels, the beaked whales surfaced again. Um, a little bit closer, so we got a lot better looks at them. And the call was made out that these were Cuvier's beaked whales. So 
Um, these whales were, you know, popping up a little bit at the surface, giving people pretty great looks. I was super excited, super, um, super, super excited to see these whales because, you know, it's not, it's definitely not a type of cetacean you see all the time. So, and that trip already was filled with lots of cetaceans because we had pilot whales, we had uh, Atlantic spotted dolphins, I believe, and one resource dolphin amongst them. So, uh, but even without those other cetaceans, I would have been totally happy with just seeing those cuvier's beaked whales. Such a amazing experience. I'd love to go out into that into deep water again just to potentially see these beaked whales. Really cool experience. Oh man. Thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing your story with us, as well as all your other stories. He's got about five, I think, stories. You can search Patrick in the um, in our search bar, or you can look him up under Beaked Whales and um, read all of our Beaked Whale stories, as well as all of our other stories, and dream about going on overseas, overnight whale and bird watching trips again. Oh, someday. One day. But it's okay. It's okay because the sun is coming. It will come out tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, it's coming out more regularly because we're getting closer to the summer. And as we get closer to the summer, we, the three of us, may not get out onto the water. But in the Northern Hemisphere, so many of our regular storytellers are getting out on the water and seeing whales. Yes, it's very exciting. All of the whales are there. Big Mama is back, which is so crazy. Um just exciting that she's mm-hmm. there it's like her 17th season being recited <laughs> good job buddy yeah um so if you're going out on the water um we do ask to remind you to be whale wise whenever you're out on a boat or in the water or have a drone um all you can check your local whale watching guidelines but generally a good idea is to stay 200 meters away from all wild whales and as well to cut your engines and not drive in front of the whales, all sorts of things. Just stay away from them. Um, there are certain specific regulations for certain endangered species, like the killer whales in the Salish Sea, as well as the North Atlantic right whales, if you are lucky enough to see one of those. So I would suggest suggest checking your local whale watching guidelines before heading out on a boat. It's also a great thing to check in on before you book a whale watching company to make sure they follow them as well. And we will be linking them in our show notes, the whalewise uh, regulations. And if you just need to remember, just see a blow, go slow. I like rhyming slogans. <laughs> Me too. And also stay six feet away from people. Yep. <laughs> Do that too, please. And I think that's probably where we will end for today. As always, we would really love to hear your thoughts on this or any episode. So please visit our website, whale-tales.org, and find links to our various social media handles so that you can drop us a line. You can also tweet at us directly. I am FHG07. Sarah is Sarah K. Given, S-A-R-A. And Nicole is Nick F. Can, C-A-N-N. You can also head to our website to subscribe to our podcast, check out our awesome merchandise, learn more about supporting us and becoming a patron, and read over 1,000 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories. That's whale-tales.org, tales like the stories, not tales like the animal.
And if you've seen a cetacean, especially a beaked whale, but really any cetacean at all, we would love to add your story to our library. Click the share link on our site, contact us on social media, whaletales.org, or email us a voice memo just like Patrick and tell us all about your incredible encounter. Thank you again for listening and for supporting us. We will be back twice next month as we are celebrating Orca Awareness Month. Hooray! Our first episode of the month is going to be another mailbag episode, specifically all about orcas. So send in all of your burning killer whale questions, and we will uh, be sure to answer them. The deadline for sending stuff in is June 7th. You can email us or comment or DM us on in social media, and we will get them into our big document where Nicole will scurry away with her books <laughs> and find all of the answers. It's so Hermione of me. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and as always, have a whaley great day.